once again. Oh, my sound is sounding so good. I cut you off. It's too good. You sound rich. Oh, like money, money, money. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let me see. This is episode 208. Wow, we are flying through these. I mean, people are probably getting sick of us. It's almost going to be our three-year anniversary. Wow. Probably in the summer sometime. Mm-hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I forgot <laughs> about our episode 200 and didn't like... That's true. So I need to, you know, start looking ahead. But we did have a couple really funny episodes, so... We sure did. I feel did. like we made up for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. quality. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to the show, everybody. Let's see what's on the agenda. Mm-hmm. What's been, like, on your mind? What's been Ooh. getting your wheels turning? Well, I'll tell you, I can't remember what it was about... Or what? Now I can't remember the story, but oh, that's right. I remember it was, I went into a bookstore. I have to tell our listeners this. I went to our bookstore after we had discussed last week, whether I was a water or a folder uh-huh. and I saw in a book, it said <laughs> the majority of men are folders and females are waters in 52 things to read while you're, you're referring going to toilet to paper. Poo. Oh yes. I'm yeah. referring to toilet paper, wadding or folding. And so, you know, I just thought that was interesting. So you're, to recap, yes. you're a folder, I'm a water. Yes. And you're saying that this book claims that females tend to wad. Yes. Why yeah. do you think that is? Do you think it's like about... <sighs> oh, I think the, I know. The anatomical component, like the way our bodies are made? I think it has more to do with how much time you're investing in sitting. Oh my God. I feel like females invest less time on the toilet because we always sit. And if a man goes to sit, he invests more time. (laughs) So So why are you folding? I don't know. I just like, I, I, I am an outlier and I have a male geared brain. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just like programmed to fold. It's like the great toilet paper debate. Yeah. I wonder what people... We're going to have to do a survey <laughs> yeah, on Twitter that says, toilet paper. are you a folder or a water? Well, first we have to get like a poll of male or female and then see. Right. Mm. Well, this is getting very yes, elaborate. Multiple, multiple variables. <laughs> well, but I would think it has something to do with like the fact that we're wiping more than just one area. I see. I see. I, I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's mm. like that emoji that's like, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot to consider, but I was really glad that you, you quickly sent me an image from the yeah, book to, yeah. to prove my show point. your findings. Yes. <laughs> you know what I've been thinking about lately and what? I have absolutely zero, um, like I don't have any resources to pull from for this. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you your opinion about weighted blankets. Oh, I'm for them. <laughs> They're wonderful. Have you ever used one? No. It feels like the best hug, but like not an aggr- not not a hug from like a person who you're like, ugh, get off me. Just like it feels like security. Okay, wait. Do you, I'm for, into my, them. My first question is, do well, you own one? No, I wish I did. Who did you borrow? I I've just been in places that is oh you know what I think I got acupuncture before and they used a weighted blanket to like may help you relax while you're sitting in one of those you know like anti gravity chairs and does it feel like when you're getting X rays yes. at the dentist and I love it what Don't are you those like things that feeling? called iron bibs lead <laughs> like lead, <laughs> lead bibs. bibs right I do like that yeah. which makes me think I would like the weighted blanket you would love it but then when you're done with it. Can you fold it? Oh. Because that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only seen them yeah. fully 
extended over a body. Yeah, in yeah, you can fold it. It's just a little heavier. It seems it's like it would like take up so lining. much space. No, a duvet. Oh, duvet would take up way more space because it's like fluffy. This one can be flat. Okay, and, and it doesn't have any of those ridiculous edges like those fitted sheets do. <laughs> who knows how to fold the, that bullshit? I. <laughs> you know, there's going to be like five people who are like, oh, "Actually, I do." Here's a video. I saw Martha it, Stewart do it live on TV, and yeah. I was. <sighs> I, and you got to put like the arms through the thing, and yeah. like kind of. She did there's that. There's a whole technique. The arms, not like your arm <laughs> into oh, the curve. Oh. Like you would put your arm into the curve, and like. Um, but she did it lickety split like because sure i she thought did. she this is a real test of her domesticity yeah. Yeah. and her credentials because <laughs> if she that's Home really all that i want her to be good at is like pies mm. and stationary then, what decorating calligraphy and stuff like that what do you mean like scrapbook yeah like, but like not scrapbooking homemade like, cards yeah there was and halloween Ooh, that martha stewart halloween magazine is good she always has the best costumes on the cover. And then like five pages of really good, not from the box Halloween costumes. costumes. Ooh, I love them. I've been thinking about what I want to be this year and it's what? April? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I have an idea. Ooh, what's your idea? I want to be Dolly Parton. Oh, you, oh my God. Oh my God. You should be Dolly Parton. I love it. I love it. Because I love her. You have to be that. And it would be so funny. Yes. And the tits and the hair yep. and the whole thing. Yep. Right? Yeah. It's like an homage, and she loves books. Yeah. One of my favorite jokes when I was little, and I don't even know why, I just heard somebody say it and people laugh, was, uh, hey, have you seen Dolly Parton's new shoes? And you say, <laughs> no. And then you go, neither is she. <laughs> I don't know why it was funny, but I used to say it all the time, and I don't really think I understood the joke. But now I do. There was it's a- about boobs. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole period of time in pop culture history where her boobs or like this huge deal and i don't really understand well, they're it. still huge just not a deal no they're no. not like maybe there are so the many ratio people. of boob to waist or maybe it was just new at the time that's what i wonder is was she the only one in the celebrity culture that had those because now maybe. there's tons of ladies with yeah. giant boobs yeah she really paved the way she did for us go, fakers go, although are hers go, real go. there's no, no way right absolutely not <laughs> Susie, we're going to say. Wait, can you Google real quick? Okay, yeah. Because, I mean, it seems like obvious Dolly that they are fake, but. Part. I mean, she would have Boobs. Had, <laughs> she would have had to get them really early on. Oh, apparently they're insured for. Guess how much they're insured oh for. <gasps> this is my new favorite game. Okay. First of all, guess how big they are. The size. Okay. I would say mm-hmm. E. 40 double D. That's, okay. Okay. Double okay. D's are not crazy. That's what I'm saying. They're not Dude, that they're big not of a deal. Crazy. Exactly. They're just up in the like where they should be. And I think she oh, used to no, wear no. one of those pointy style totally. bras. Totes. So it made it seem like they I were. I love her so much. And now guess how much they are. Okay. Oh my god. How do you even insure a boob? That's well, so weird. If 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 I'd give them a mil each. <laughs> A mil each? Woo! Two million buckaroos? No, uh, 300,000 each, so 600,000. Okay. All right. For the tati, tatas. Maybe if she were an E. Maybe then a million each. <laughs> wow. But, like, what would happen to a boob that would, is it like breast cancer that she's what? insuring against? Or maybe, like, something like. Popping? Do you think this is true or maybe a well, myth? It, well, I don't know. It just says, according what to says? HuffingtonPost.com. Get out of here. Yeah. It says the singer, country singer loves talking about the girls. 
tell you what I'm getting into. Let me guess. <laughs> You're good at guessing. Okay, go ahead. Are you fab? About, are you am. feeling fun about it? Are and you I'm feeling fit? Super fit. I'll put that in a different order. Fat, fit, fun. <laughs> I am really into it. It's so much fun. We get these boxes that they come to our door and they have full size items that make you feel like you're pampering yourself. I've been pampered by many of those things in that box recently. Well, you love the candle. And you know what? I, oh, I forgot about the candle. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even know that I was really into, but now I am. And I'm like, thank you. What? Coloring books. Right? I was like, I that I don't really want to do this. And then I watched TV it's and like colored. Therapy. And I'm like, where has this been all my life? Oh, yeah. I stopped doing this when I was five. It's fantastic. <laughs> we should have never stop. Thank you, Fab with Fun. <laughs> they deliver a full-size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, wellness products. And they deliver four times a year for just $49.99 a box. And don't worry, because we've been talking about the spring box, but don't worry if you missed the seasonal box, because there's this great spring editor's box Ooh, like with favorites yes. from spring and other past seasons. The spring editor's box has a lot more customization options from a clutch to eyeshadow, tote to lip gloss. They just have tons of various things that you're going to be like, oh, this is the best ever. And um, when you get the box, it's like you open it. You can like go if you're like a mom like me, you take it and like open it. Oh, like Lincoln thinks every box that comes is for him. So I'm like, this is for Mama. Check you later. Um, So it's really fun. There's no samples. It's such a great value because the value of the box is over two hundred dollars, but it's only forty nine ninety nine. Plus, if you use our promo code, you get $10 off the editor's box. Oh my God. Hello. It's really fun. And it's not too late to sign up. You can use our code. Try FabFitFun today. Go to FabFitFun.com to subscribe and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code BRAINCANDY to get $10 off your first box. That's products valued at $200 for only $39.99. Again, go to FabFitFun.com and use our code BRAINCANDY to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. I am shocked about this Dolly, Dolly Parton, Parton boob. Well, also gate. it said that in 1992 and then in 2017 she had a breast like mishap and one of them exploded in 1992 and so I think she got them insured after exploded. A, yeah, like one of the implants popped. She must have oh. had the kind before that were like not. Yeah, that's what I mean. She was a trailblazer, so yeah, she was like getting them before they were mm-hmm, all mm-hmm, safe mm-hmm, and sound mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. What were those silicone? No. Saline. Yes. Oh, well, she looks great and she's hilarious. And and she donates books. So many books. Right. She is funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you if you read about, you know, the astronauts, the NASA (gasps) twins. Yes, I sure did. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, well, first, it always bugs me. (laughs) (laughs) I love when you're annoyed. I love... A sciencey story, sure. And I, I do like that. The article's headline is clickbaity enough to get people to read the article. Hopefully, it is. But what I don't like is when people just take away the. Um, they read the headline and they think they know the whole story. So, like a lot of the headlines coming out were like said uh dna changed like two twins go and now they come back you know different or whatever (laughs) the way that their dna was altered is you could do on your own by just changing your diet or changing your exercise routine for a while and the majority of things 
went back to normal in two to three months. So people were saying that they were no longer identical twins, which is not true. Their chromosomes don't change. Like, those didn't change. I guess the, uh, what are they called? Tat, tat, the end of your, the things that are, the little caps on the end of your DNA strand. I'll look it up. It starts with a T. But uh, that was shortened on, uh, lengthened on the one who was up in space. Mm -hmm. And it said that maybe it speeds up the aging process. What are they called? Terra, Terra, I'm going to look it up. (laughs) Uh, Telomeres, Um, telomeres. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, you're raising some questions then because my understanding of it was that Scott's the one that was up in space forever, right? Scott, Uh, I think. Yes, Scott Kelly. Um, was in up in space for a year and they measured his DNA and checked his DNA Mm -hmm, before, mm -hmm. during, and after Mm -hmm. he was on the move. And then now everything pretty much is back to normal except 7% of his genes. And so the, the article that I read said that they weren't considered identical anymore. That, and so I was like, oh, I guess they're considered uh-huh. fraternal then? No. But that doesn't make sense because I thought that was about sex and yes. something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we Because you still aside, have the same pairs. The chromosomes themselves are matching. But your DNA is not just made up. It's like there are a whole bunch of on and off switches. That's like what your DNA, I don't even know how, that's why I've been mapping the human genome for freaking ever. And yeah. that's why they say some diseases exist across multiple genes. Mm-hmm. And so this is like some switches got switched on and some got switched off, but the same set of those, what is it? 26 chromosomes that you get from your mom and dad mm-hmm. or whatever. Those are not changing. Yeah. So they're still identical twins. Okay, good. I, that's what... I gathered from okay. the articles that were, you know how Twitter will always come out with people's response to it, and it's a lot of scientists going, oh, God, okay. you know, at well, KTLA News who make it sound like it's, a, you know, a yeah. weirder science experiment than it is. They were attributing the 7% that didn't recover to the severe stress of being, you know, emotionally, physically, yeah. on your, psychologically when you're um, away. away and you have the limitations of space and all that. And I was like, I'm surprised it's not greater um, trauma to the body because I don't, I truly don't know how a person could be even just psychologically strong enough to handle a year in that. No, there's too much. I mean, you've gone scuba diving with me. You know that feeling of when you're scuba, where you have to be constantly aware of your breathing and everything. I, I couldn't imagine... And knowing that if something were to go wrong, you're done because you're so you're so far from the surface of the water yeah. that chances are good you're not going to get this guy. I mean, to know that when you're at a space station, that if something goes wrong, that's it. Nito, there's no swimming <laughs> to the surface. To. You can't get to where you can just breathe like a normal. You know, I'm all about space exploration and stuff like that, but I ain't going to be the one to do it. Did you see the movie Gravity? Yes. It, am I remembering it correctly that it was really George annoying Clooney, because there was a yeah, <laughs> that's he, a lot of scientific inaccuracies. Okay, did he uh, or did he not go out? He, he did. Like that was her. From what I know, that was a figment of her imagination that it came back. That was because she had been in space yeah, so he didn't long come by herself. Back. He no. just went out, and that was as Spoiler you say, finis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, and so I kept thinking about that and how 
they kind of romanticize this idea that he just floated off. Right. But like he's going out to starve to death or whatever the hell yeah. happens. Yeah. It's asphyxiation first, I imagine. Yeah. If he doesn't freeze to death because it was a crack in a suit, come on. And then he's like he holding was... it closed with his hand. For Christ's sake. You remember a lot of the details. Well, yeah, because I was just as pissed as Neil DeGrasse Tyson. Right. He poked a lot of holes in that film, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Yes. But man, uh, uh, what's the my favorite one with? Oh my god, Matt Damon. Oh Mars. Mars something. Ma- what the hell is that movie called? Yeah. What the mm- hell is that movie called? <laughs> is Mars in the title? Yes. It's not Interstellar. It's no, which is also a great movie. You have to look okay. it up. What? This is what I'm saying. We can't Google it. We have to shy away from Google. It's called, it'll come to me. Oh, it'll, right. Right. Sarah has this new policy <laughs> where she thinks it strengthens her brain to yes. just sit around on a recorded <laughs> podcast trying to recall something. People are going to be yelling at their, at their radio right now. Wasn't it like Marvin the Martian? No, it's, but it's like something like that though. Like, look it oh, up. You're the worst. Okay. You can practice Matt. this in your real life, Sarah, not on this show. The Martian. Oh, just not Marvin the Martian. I was half right. <laughs> what if it was called Marvin? Okay. Focus. focus. What if it was named War Marvin? Oh my God. When he made the potatoes, <laughs> that was my favorite part. What potato? I didn't see it. You haven't. At Susie, least that's the reason I don't know Meister the name Butler. of it. It's so good. I've probably seen it ten times. And you didn't I know saw it, it twice in the Martian? theater. No, I didn't. I forget. <laughs> Tell me about the potatoes. Well, he's just able to grow potatoes based on and like first of all, he's able to find a way to make a source of water by combining, I mean, I guess hydrogen and oxygen. And like all this cool stuff. I mean, it's beyond what I understand. Science. Like, I mean, I get the so gist of it, but I couldn't. So you're saying he grew like, potatoes? Yes. I thought, I'm picturing him cooking potatoes. Well, he also cooked Did them he? afterwards. But yeah, I mean, On if he Mars. spent all the time to grow them, yeah. Well, that, maybe he ate them and he raw. I don't know. He probably did too. And then he like, it was just really good. It was so well done. It was so accurate. <laughs> but then, you know, you probably wouldn't get back to, how does it end? I think he gets back to Earth. It has to be a happy ending. You think I've seen it so much? I always like fall asleep at the end of it because I play it at my house. <laughs> Sounds but, really good. Yeah, no, it really is. It really is. I'm like, you know, it's just one of those movies you can watch a million times. Bringing us back though to the original twin story, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I do not understand how some people are equipped mentally <laughs> to no, I don't handle either. that. I don't either. Just, just being on a challenge has been for, enough for it. me. Like the right. boredom and all of that stuff. And the, just being up in that, that little thing all that time. I mean, was food. he all by himself? No. He was at the International Space Station. I told you, it was probably cool there. Yeah. It's like being at base camp at Everest. <laughs> Did you follow him on Twitter because his pictures were amazing? No. You really missed Is out. he the one who lived up there for a long time and people asked him to do science stuff? Probably. And like would ask him questions. Yeah. Wonder, yeah. Yes. He would tweet. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. I've totally seen, I've totally seen this A lot this of like person. horizon images and he would... And the flatter society people. (laughs) And he would talk about how, you know, he was aware of news and things and how when you're up there and you realize how silly like a border, a country's border is like, oh, okay, that's the line. Yeah. That's where, okay, (laughs) if you say so. And I thought, well, at least he gets some perspective up there. That's a really good point. Uh, I'll tell you what else is a really good point. What? Lightstream. Okay. Here's the deal. 
I know a lot of people that have this problem with like credit cards, interest rates, Mm -hmm. and they are getting screwed. And what is so great is you could try this offer from Lightstream and get credit card consolidation. And then you save so much money on the interest rates, which are out of control. A lot of people don't even know how much they're paying, sometimes up to... 17% 17% APR. You told me like one of yours was 30. Yes. 30. Sarah was really getting It was screwed. ridiculous. I was 18. I only got it because it was a leopard print card. Don't make the same mistakes as me. <laughs> you can you can get um, a credit card consolidation loan with a fixed interest rate as low as 5.49 APR with auto pay. And you could save thousands of dollars, as I said, in interest. And they have loans from 5000 to to 100000 bucks. If you apply today and get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates, the only way for our listeners with good credit to get this special interest rate discount is to go to lightstream.com slash brain candy. That's lightstream.com slash brain candy, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash brain candy. Here's my fast talking bit too. Subject to credit approval rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount available only when you select auto pay prior to loan funding. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for important information about limits on Lightstream loans and same day Mm. funding. There you go. Save a couple bucks. I love, I love a deal. Hello. I know. Right. Okay. Now. Yes. Let's get out of this, um, space station that we've been stuck in (laughs) i'm not even really big into space um i need to learn more about it because it's intimidating to me it's not because i'm not interested it's just that the content feels so foreign to me well this actually is a nice tie-in for a story that i had for you okay um so have you heard about ikea's new food that they're manufacturing Yes. The bug food? Yes. What the heck? Is it for humans? I thought they were saying it's for dogs. No, this is for humans. This is like tomorrow's food source. They're saying that, you know, because bugs are a really good source of- protein. Yes, sustainable protein. And the people who are researching it is a lab called Space 10. So I would assume that there's some connection to, you know, I don't know, maybe stuff in space because that's in their name. Wait, what? But it says that Ikea is the one funding it. And, uh, yeah, Ikea's iconic meatball is being tested using With insects, m- algae, and lab-grown meat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about this? I'm kind of okay with it. <laughs> I, I really enjoy... I mean, I'm not eating them like Nicole Kidman over there, but <laughs> I I do, like a, I do like a bug or two. Okay. I Wait, love... What do you love, like? Love the, the crickets for, or something? Yeah, from Oaxaca. That you are just covered crunchy. with, yeah, and they're covered with like the lime, um, like spicy. Yeah, I could get in oh, into that. God. I, I mean, I was like obsessed with them for a while. They're so good. Okay, but aren't like, but like in a meatball, it that's kind of gross to me. I don't know why. It because the picture that I saw and the description that I read sounded like maggots. Yeah, that's well, what gross that kind me of out. is like what it is mealworms. Yeah. <laughs> disgusting it's really gross and i appreciate the idea of a sustainable protein and the efforts that people are going to try to combat the problem with producing so much meat and the what it does to the earth yeah but good lord i think we need to take the word bug out of it we need to come up with an alternative name for it that's what we call it when it turn becomes a food source like um yeah like how we call cows beef yeah yes we have to change the name is pork 
We have to change the name. It can't still be Bug. It has to be like... <laughs> what? What would you uh, call it? We need to think of the, the option. Yeah. It has to be Because like, it doesn't even have to sound like it because, you know, veal. Right. That sounds fancy. Yeah. yeah. We should make it something like that. Yeah. Like, like um... um <laughs> like croquet... I want to say like a, a... Make it sound French. Like, so, like pate is so good. Crique. So like croquet, <laughs> like a, a croak, a croak... No, that sounds like frog. Now it's not, I can't have the sound they make. It's like edible onomatopoeia. I can't have that. <laughs> right, but, but if now somebody... they're calling it a crispy bug ball or the bug burger. No, you don't want to no. eat that. Mm-hmm. Ew, look at it being ground up. That no, is not no, acceptable. No, Susie's not okay. That is not, not okay. acceptable. Not okay. And like if you put microgreens on it, is it all of a sudden like fine? Oh no. my God, these no. pictures are great. No, they're calling it the neat ball. Oh. Like meatball, but... Yeah, but what's so neat about it? Ew, it's made with mealworms and other root vegetables like carrots, parsnips, and I don't beets. even approve of that. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I was going to say, you get the beets out of there. It's probably for coloring. You got the beets, right. Yeah. That's You're right about that. That's probably why. And probably the flavor. Yeah. They need something to mask... I mean, what does is, what is mealworm taste? I don't even understand why Ikea is in the business of innovating food. Well, we because they probably want things cheaper. Oh, my God. And all the meatballs are going to stack really nicely on top of one another. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Got to get For it. For easy shipping. <laughs> right. I mean, it just seems like you should leave this to the good people at McDonald's. <laughs> right. It's where they're already putting junk in their meat and we're Who, fine with it. By the way, which whoever it is in the Brain Candy Crush that told me to, that I needed to download the McDonald's app, you were so right. Are, are cool things happening over there? There's deals. I, this is not an ad, by the way. <laughs> There's coupons. Unless, of course, McDonald's would like to sponsor us. <laughs> you can um, pre-order and then just pull up and they bring it out to you. They've made your fast food faster? <laughs> what? It's fantastic. So thank you to the listener who was like, Suze, mm. I got you, girl. Mm-hmm. You need this app. That's really funny. Some people have the Starbucks app. Some people have the McDonald's app. Yeah. I'm, I love apps that actually provide savings, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, Whatever those are, if you can get coupons and yeah. stuff. <laughs> I was Michael's is like that, you know. When you go to Michael's, oh boy, is it? Is Hobby Lobby your favorite store? No, I mean I don't know. I don't have their their. I wonder if they they probably don't. They have just it have now. a coupon that you can get. You just Google coupon. Oh, okay. Well, Forty percent off. Um, so you tell them a four digit code <laughs> of the day. I read about actually this was trending on Twitter the other day and I thought what? oh my god Sarah I hope you haven't hope, seen it oh, yet I hope I have what is it or haven't whatevs the there's an account that um marks every time there's a movie poster with a headless woman oh god right that's like a big thing like the Van like, Wilder post where it's like woman's yeah. leg open and so that's one of the yeah, posters where but it's just a body part. It's at Hollywood Headless, but Hollywood is spelled kind of weird. But I thought, okay, let me see. And it is crazy how so often these films are, I guess, intentionally Mm -hmm. objectifying women, but not only that, are making her just a body. Yeah, it reduces women to a body part and it kind of keeps it in line with, oh, they're not whole people. They're not, they don't come with all of the same emotions and whatever because if you just saw a leg or a torso it's like what ifs it's just mm. a leg or a torso the most shocking one though was a series you know how oftentimes movies will have like several mm-hmm, different mm-hmm, posters mm-hmm. and so for each male character 
the man, the man's face was on it and then it had like a, a word. And then for the one female in the movie, it was just, you know, her body, not her head. Was it like Ocean's Eleven or something like that? Something like that. It wasn't that, but it was something like that. And she wasn't even represented with a face on the (sighs) series where she's like more recognizable by the body part. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm grateful for anytime there's people that will compile these things. Because if you see one, you don't think about it. Right. And when then, you slide yes. through all the th- the whole thread, you're like, okay. So it's like, which came first? So do they, do the people in marketing do that because they know that that sells? Or do the people in marketing do it because they've seen it repeated so many times that now they just, it's just a thing that they do? Kind of like, what were we talking about? The Disney movies that did it. They only did it because that was what they did before. Well, that's... Oh, it was the voice. The voice right, of... The Russian the, villain. The, yeah, the villains. That's what's weird about movie posters, though. If you think about them more generally, it feels like they're their own genre of art because mm-hmm. they're so silly and oftentimes like cartoony yeah where like the the people on the poster are like doing absurd yeah. faces and stuff yeah. i guess specifically with comedies like they're almost it almost feels like they're caricaturing yeah the movie why i guess that's what grabs people's yeah, attention it, it's gotta get it's gotta be noticeable and it's like where is it usually on a bus stop or something people are going by real quick yeah so it has to be like the thing we look at first and, oh, maybe we're just drawn towards yeah. boobs. It's never an accident. It's always because yeah. that's how you can Especially make more money. now. Yeah. But yeah. how now do you... everything's thought out. Oh, God. I wonder, though, what will happen in the Me Too, the post-Me Too world. Yeah. Because, like, do we care? Do we not? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think we do. <laughs> you I mean me and you? Yeah. Or? Well, uh, people should care. It happens a lot in advertising, too. In any kind of advertising. So if you look at like the uh, vodka ads and like alcohol ads in magazines will be... You mean like the bikini thing? Yes. Yeah. Right. Always like that. Yeah. And perfume. That was a big Perfume ads are another one where it's like, why do you guys make the ads like that? Yeah. I mean, all of Dior's are like ridiculous with... um, But I guess if you're trying to sell a smell and we don't have smell-o-vision... Then you have to like simulate what it, the smell is like. Yeah, and but it's, it's like absurd. a woman like ripping off her pearls and throwing them on the floor, like what, and then grabbing onto a, a, essentially a drop down leash that carries her up into the ceiling. It's usually something ridiculous. Is this a specific? Yes, okay. like Shador, like, <laughs> Dior, oh, Charlize Theron. Uh, I just read this. So the bad. most. Uh, best-selling perfume of all time. Chanel number no. five. You would think. What is Was it? Elizabeth Taylor's White, White Diamonds. Diamonds. Oh, my God. Of course These it is. These have always brought me luck. <laughs> Remember that ad that they used to have? It was like for 20 years the same ad. Oh, my God. But I don't know that smell. I probably you do. do. It's like I think my, my great aunt used to wear that. Did you like it? Was it no, nice? No. Oh. It, it was like... Oh, she's here. (laughs) These have always brought me luck. Well, I feel like I want to try it though. Like if that many people. (laughs) What if that is your signature scent and you just didn't even know it? I'm going to get you that for Christmas. The worst part is you will. I know. But I mean, I feel like how could that many people be wrong about a smell? Seuss. (laughs) That many people were wrong about Crocs. <laughs> That's true. So good point. And McDonald's. Well, I know what 
people are right about what? is when they want to find love and they go to eHarmony. Oh, yes. I love eHarmony. I love love. Me too. Like, my policy is always, yes. I'm loving love. And you were the one who was like, Sarah, get back on eHarmony. I mean, not now. I'm married now. <laughs> what but if now? <laughs> what if now? Even now. Get you know on what? there. It's Sarah, get. never too late. Just take the, take the test. eHarmony is so fun. And I did make Dahlia, our assistant, take the test since we're married ladies because I wanted to know, like, what's... Yes. What kind of questions are they asking? Because they say it's based in science. It is, and they're good questions. And whenever you and I were using it to find you a mate, mm-hmm. I loved the questions, and I thought they were really thoughtful and yep. helpful. Yeah, you know, because now, even since you've been married, there's all these dating apps that are like more about the hookup yes. situation. Yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling like this is eHarmony is more about lasting, meaningful relationships. And so maybe, hey, maybe Dahlia will find someone. Oh my gosh, Prince Charming. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be great? Eric. His name has to be Eric. Because <laughs> Dahlia is a Disney princess incarnate. Yes. Yes. Um, eHarmony brings compatible people together. And right now our listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription if they use our code BRAINCANDY at checkout. Oh, Stop. That's a good deal. Wait, it is. Start your journey to a satisfying and meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps. Don't they know it? But when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's mm-hmm. one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter our code BRAINCANDY at checkout. What if someone gets married because of our show? And they went on eHarmony because of us. Right. And they used code BRAINCANDY. And saying. then they met their love of their life. We should get something. I have a lot. Right. <laughs> Like at least one of the the, the favors at their wedding. I yeah. like those. I'm like the only person who does. Wait, who doesn't like free stuff? Well, the, some people are like, what's the point in doing that? Nobody ever really uses it. I do. I'm the person who runs out of the baby shower with like four of the whatever the thing was that they're giving away. And I'm like, other people didn't take theirs. I'll take it. I totally I did that the other day. I also love the centerpieces. You know when I won them? one at a banquet the other night. Were you excited? Super excited. <laughs> and by <laughs> one, I mean... Stole. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> For I real? put in money for the for ours, and then my friend got ours, and then Landon was like, "Here, I got you this one from another oh my table." God. So he we and we did contribute to the, you know, charity that was. You don't have to. Them off. You don't have to say. Anymore. It's just so nice. It fits perfect with my house. It's a terrarium. <laughs> oh really? Yes, like one of those um, geometric shaped ones with like. Ugh, mossy stuff. In the I'm middle. into that. So nice. Even, you know, I, you know how I feel, but I don't really like parties that where there's games or any yeah. kind of thing like yeah. that, but I do love free stuff. Mm-hmm. And if that, if I can win or yes. whatever, I'm into that. Yes. Um, anyway, I'll watch for my white diamonds. To, white diamonds. Oh, de, toilet. What is it? <laughs> yeah. Toilette. Yep. Um, Okay. Mm-hmm. There was also a thread on Twitter just yesterday about, I love when like social media actually is helpful. And so this woman found a, a picture in an archive of, um, I think it was a Smithsonian Institute con- science convention. Uh-huh. And there was one woman. <gasps> oh, Did you see it? I just read a little bit. That they, I just read that they were on a hunt to find who the woman was. Yeah. Did and, they find her? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's Sheila. awesome. Sheila Miner was her name, and uh, she is pictured in this photo with, like, I don't know, 70 dudes, and she's also a woman of color, and in, like, the bottom where they list the names of everyone, she's the only person that's not identified. Oh, my God. That is so annoying. Does that mean whoever 
either took the picture or wrote about the picture, didn't think that she was important enough to include in there, or thought she was just one of, with one of the guys. This is mm. so crazy. So it was somewhere in the range of 1963 to 1965 time period. And so this woman on Twitter found the picture, wanted to find the woman and give her name credit. So then, you know, crowdsourcing, people start coming nice. in and like piping up, like maybe it's this lady, maybe it's this lady. And a lot of the dudes that were piping up uh-huh. were saying, that's so-and-so. She was, quote, just an admin, right? So like all these other dudes are... Um, scientists and Mm -hmm. PhDs. And so this woman kept being referred to as just an admin, which even if that were true, shut up. Yeah. Don't throw the word just in front of it. Yeah. And she's still in the picture. Let's give her a name. Yeah. But what's great is she wasn't just an admin Uh and she, her job title ended up requiring, uh, either a BS or a master's Mm -hmm. and she, presented papers. She did important research. She had to be familiar with complicated mathematic formulas. Oh my God. And, um, she's still alive and now she's properly being noted as somebody really important and did really cool things for science. Like she would go to schools and teach kids also about the importance of science. Well, she needs her name on that picture for goodness sakes. She look. There you go. Yeah. So that was fun. I love threads like that because at least we're getting crap done in the midst of our mindless, Mm -hmm. you know, change in the history books. You know, you need to edit that. She just put some little white out and add her name on there. Yeah. I mean, maybe she doesn't care if her name was on the thing, but like just in general, I would too. Care so much. We're like, excuse me. Yeah. I mean, I want my name on crap. I didn't even do. Yeah. That's my policy. Just put me on everything that I can get credit for. (laughs) But the Smithsonian um, archivists were really helpful and were getting boxes and finding files. They're so excited about this. They're like, finally, they're, what is it called? Uh, You know, masters in library science. Like, yes, we get to do it. When I was reading that, I thought, I should get a master's in library science, like just for the fun of it. You would, that would be, because you just research things like the history of. (laughs) Right. You would be so into it. You would be so into that. (laughs) Everyone would be like, you know what, Suze? Frank Candy had a good run. (laughs) But we're out. We're out. We can't do any more. She's just researching things. Wait, let's play my history. I should have done this when I was talking about (sighs) Sheila. Damn it. The history. Sheila. It's not wasted. Thank you for all of your contributions to science. And thank you to the tireless efforts of the Smithsonian archivists who were so excited to get all those folders out and dust them off. Yes. You matter. There we go. How's that? You are the only person to probably have ever given proper credit. To Sheila or what? To the librarians and the research (laughs) team. You know, I feel like almost jealous. I've been taking Lincoln to the library a lot lately and I covet that these people get to be surrounded by books. Yeah, it is pretty cool, huh? And, like, they have all that information. Uh-huh. And they kind of act like they do, too. <laughs> you know there's, like, an attitude of, like, the... Well, because like, you know, mm-hmm. you can imagine how annoying. Yeah. Because we talked about the opioid problem and how people are... Oh, my God. ...having, um, like overdoses in the bathroom and so then they have to be ready to handle that then you get all the people that are coming in for just the computer services yeah which i encourage that's cool that they have that resource but like 
there's probably regulars. It's probably like Cheers, but the it library. Totally is. And then there's that one person who knows a lot about a subject and they have to teach them. Like, that's my mom. She'll be like, <laughs> I'm like, mom, you don't, not everything is an opportunity for you to teach this person about, you know, 18th century Italian art, please. <laughs> it always goes, comes to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just go in there and I think these people are so underappreciated and educators in general. Like, yeah. Now that my kid's in school, especially, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the best people on earth. Yes, yes, that is true. Remember earlier in the year where I was talking about the list of supplies they want you to buy? And how everyone was like, oh Susie, God. shut up about the supplies. Don't be yeah. that person. I think it's because they see all the crap teachers have to deal with and how. But oh, yeah. just to recap, I was not mad at the teachers. I was mad at the districts yes. and like the government that doesn't right. give them enough Tissues. money. Yeah. I just want them to have tons of dough right. to do whatever they want with. Yeah. Although, sorry to talk so much, no, but I, love I got it. a lot on my mind. Yes. I just read this book called The Case Against Education. Oh. It was pretty intense. Have you heard about these new schools that are popping up? They're very popular in... in- uh, like Orange County, Silicon Southern Valley. Cal- yes, yeah. where they're alternative schools where they're basically like, okay, today we're going to milk a goat. Yeah. And we're going to farm our own little piece of, you know, whatever. And we're going to then turn the, we're going to shear the sheep and then we're going to turn that into, they're basically teaching those kind of, they're seeing that those kind of hands on activities and like regular life skills translate into a smarter, more well rounded human being. The other stuff you can teach, but you, it's not all about testing. Well, that's, that's the thing. And this book really, uh, it was saying beyond the, beyond literacy and sort of basic math yeah, that a lot of it is wasted time. Yeah. And it was a very compelling argument and troubling because I love education. And so I like to believe in the narrative that we teach our mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. and, but it was fascinating. I mean, if you want to check it out, it was really good. I think his name is Brian Kaplan, the author, um, Case Against Education. That's the irony because isn't Kaplan the one who makes pretty much every single one of my textbooks? Oh, and he's a he's a university professor and yeah, he yeah. acknowledges the irony. But he said unless education inspires you personally. Right. And yes, I'm one of those people. It's like either for you or it's not for you. Or if you're like somebody who's exceptional and you have this gift that most of what you learn is pretty much useless. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you remember the classes that were the most influential for you as far as like real life that turn into things that are translate into real life, uh, skills or well, before things you've brought I answer, up on I would ask you, if you think of whatever class you're thinking of, would you say it was the class or the teacher? Teacher. Right. And yeah. that's what they say in the book. Yeah. That it really isn't the subject matter. Yeah. Usually uh-huh. it's like somebody that made you that made realize that what you could do with your brain. Mm-hmm. Mm, so, that's totally true. Yeah. Man, it's the teacher. Right? Because mm-hmm. they're magic. Yeah. The information, you know. We can pretty much yeah. pick up on our own just by once yeah. you can read, you yes. can pretty much teach yourself. That is true. Like the information, but mm-hmm. you can't do what they do, which is like inspire human growth. Right. But uh, I was potential. so I was mm. so affected by my education that I I can't believe that you know 
Like I can't get my brain to accept this new theory and be like, yeah, maybe. It I think matter. I would have done really well in that kind of in what a non-traditional. School. Yeah. Why? Because I I'm into teaching myself all the other stuff. Yeah. I just wanted, I and I was really bored in school. That's what they said. I was that, so bored. That that part of like, for instance, with our kids, you know how they want to play video games all the time. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason is because we give them literally no control over anything in their life, and then we force them to sit in this classroom and learn something they don't care about. And so video games provide them with, they can control it, literally. Oh my God, that's a really good point. That's why they all like Minecraft and things where they can build and be the creators of their own universe. Yeah. (gasps) And so. And Legos, it's like kind of the foundation of that. Yeah. And they can, they are not at the mercy of our bullcrap all the time. Interesting. Yeah. But, um,. As you saw, he barely has any teeth anymore, by the way. Your kid. Yeah. I know. It's another one was is about to fall out. He's seriously <laughs> running out of teeth. He's going to chew. I wonder if that ever happened where like, someone just lost them all at once, freakishly. Your <laughs> child, that would be what happened. But I... Walking around with a lamb with no eyeballs and a kid with no teeth. <laughs> I do know, however, that his teeth are very healthy, and that is in part due to his new toothbrush... Which you got as well. Oh, I love mine. Quip toothbrushes are awesome. They're so cool. I was just talking to someone how it feels like the the dentistry industry doesn't ever evolve. Yeah. Like you go in there and you're like, is it 1962 again? Like the equipment looks pretty old. Yeah, that light thing that they bring down. I'm like, that pretty much is from 1962. (laughs) And so it felt like that even with toothbrushes, like why is nothing coming about How about the instructions on the... Right? Brushing my tooth, teeth, not tooth, teeth with the quip and like looking at the instructions. And it was like, no need for those cinematic circles. And I was like, as I was doing cinematic circles, I was like, oh, oh, oh. Why are you saying cinematic? Because that's what they said. No. In, in the, in, that is, that is the wording. Because I read those directions and I was like, well, I've been brushing wrong my entire life. Me too. Life. I said the same thing. I was like, well, I'm doing this wrong. And I, I was doing the motion that they were telling you that you don't need to do as I'm reading it. And I was like, oh, well, I'll be changing that right now. And now I love it. It, Quip is a new electronic, or no, electric. Is that the correct yeah. word? Electric. Or, or electronic. All it right, two, either thank of you. Those, okay. Because if it has a battery, then therefore. Thank it, you. But then it's not from an electric sort, electricity. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, um, it packs just the right amount of vibration. So it's like this, like, mm-hmm. I can't even describe mm-hmm. it. How would you, it's like pulse and gives yeah. you yeah, yeah, yeah. these, n- like a pulse notion, motion or an indicator whenever you need to switch yep. sides. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. And it has a mount and a little stand that sucks to your... Um, I'm going to have to post bathroom this on mirror. social media. Because it's so sleek. It looks so good. It looks like my bathroom's from the future. Yeah. We're like the Jetsons over here with these And quip. you can even move it. Right. You can it take it off, sticky. clean your That's mirror, science. and then pop it right back on. <laughs> that is science. Um, it's such a great subscription plan because they send you new brush heads every three months for five bucks, including free shipping worldwide. We have a lot of Canadian Ooh. listeners who are like, oh, excuse me. Yes. Um, but here's the scoop. Quip starts at just 25 bucks. And if you go to getquip.com slash brain candy right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with Equip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash brain candy, spelled G E T Q U I P dot com slash brain candy. So get, I mean, I don't know if your teeth are falling out like my son's, but you could <laughs> at least not. brush them properly. <laughs> um, okay. What do you think? I was yeah. thinking 
Tell me. Of having a guest today. Oh, bring it on. You've been so good. These guests have been just so great. I'm loving talking to these people. Oh my gosh. I'm loving listening to it. I, as a person who grew up in the church, became familiar with our guest, Rob Bell, um, about 10 years ago, I would say. And people just in the community started talking about this guy and how he made these videos. I think they were called Numa. And he basically was revolutionizing the way that we talk about the Bible and Hmm. religion. And then he came out with this book in 2012 called Love Wins. And this sounds familiar. Christians, especially evangelical Christians, were like, oh, no. Because he sort of implied um, that there wasn't maybe the hell that oh. you know we think about and that maybe everybody kind of makes the cut. And that is not cool with a lot of people yeah. that are religious. And he went on all these interviews and I watched them. And when I prepared for this interview, where it was very antagonistic, not on his part, but people would be... Make yeah. really mad because he was saying love wins. Like, why are we debating about all this stupid stuff instead of just loving our neighbor? Yeah. It's so simple, yeah. but it's revolutionary. Anyway, there's mm. a new documentary coming out about him called The Heretic, and I cannot wait to see it because they're basically talking about how just by saying something that really Jesus said, yeah, people were like getting well, their I mean, their torches. They when he said it either. True, true. Look what happened to him. Yeah. Rob Bell's doing okay in comparison. <laughs> yeah. um, but he had a book that he published a few months ago called What is the Bible? And if you are familiar with the Bible, grew up in church, you will love this book because he turns all the stories upside down. And he's like, you think this means this? Really? Let me That's tell you why. That's what everybody needs. Yeah. Because yes. he will challenge the interpretations that have been brought through uh-huh, generations uh-huh. and that everyone's just like, yeah, that's what it means. That's what it means. That's right. what, and he's like, wait, uh, actually, <laughs> his, actually. His title, he should have just called it actually. actually. <laughs> um, and usually I don't like the actual ears, but in this case it's yeah. so good and it's very, um, fun to read. And I think anyone that's been indoctrinated or mm-hmm. grown up in a tradition will appreciate the way that he tells stories and, really refreshes the content. I feel like that's something that millennial or newer um, religious individuals are kind of thirsty for. Yeah, the seekers. Yes, that's a good term for it. That's probably the term for it. Yeah, people that are like, they feel like Uh they have something uh uh in their heart that would be filled with spirituality, but they don't like the patriarchy and different parts of uh, religion that have been traditionally yes, accepted. I totally feel like that. So Rob Bell, some people think he's a heretic. Some people like me think he's very inspiring and Ooh. fascinating and fun. And he's so um, thoughtful. And I think people will really enjoy hearing from him and his book. So let's welcome him to the show. Welcome to the show, Rob Bell. I um, am so excited to speak with you because you're kind of one of my idols, which is ironic. Uh, I want to know what it's like for you whenever you are about to be interviewed. Because if you go on YouTube and you look up Rob Bell interviews, they're oftentimes combative and not on your end, but like people are like trying to trap you and stuff. Oh, what's that about? I feel like that hasn't happened in forever. It feels like another lifetime ago. Really? Oh yeah. Um, trying to think. Oh, but I there was a period of time. Yeah. 
or seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> People get a little excited, don't they? <laughs> I just, I want to know if you felt it in that moment or if you were just, it was no big whoop. Oh, yeah. And I think I feel it because it's almost like it isn't, it isn't the nature of the question. It's the frame that the question comes in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes somebody gets asked a question and they're wondering why they don't have an answer. It's because it's a crap question <laughs> and there's like assumptions and there's a whole world of understanding in the question that you don't actually buy into. Exactly. So think about like with spirituality or religion, how many people their question is rooted in the worst thing that could happen would be that you're wrong. <laughs> and what they mean by that is somewhere intellectually you wouldn't cognitively assent to the right list of propositions. Right. Very different from love or grace or standing in solidarity with somebody who's suffering or sitting by the bed of your friend who has cancer through the night in the hospital. So, you know what I mean? That's yeah. just a different set of things you could be talking about or discussing. Well, so why do you think it is that people often prefer, or at least in that setting of the media or public oh. life, why they prefer to frame it in that context? Well, what's interesting, I mean, one, one negative answer would be <laughs> if we're just having Kung Fu commentary about some esoteric abstract idea, yeah. that we don't actually have to talk about our own pain, our own woundedness, our own brokenness, um, then we can conveniently sidestep the actual issues of transformation that we all desperately crave. Yeah. And then yeah. you can just, and, and the ego, the ego loves to be right. And the ego, it's not enough to win. Somebody has to lose. Uh, the ego loves the binary, which win. is success, failure, win, lose, right, wrong. And the invitation, of course, is to move to this place where those just, that isn't the game you're playing. And so when you're in that setting and you are talking about a book that you've written or whatever, then you go through that cycle. And then why do you say, you know what, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to write because you just wrote, what is the Bible, which everyone should read. Um, <laughs> why are you like, I'm going to go through that again. What well, makes that happen? That happened in... I think the interviews you're referring to would have been uh, the, maybe Love Wins or What is What We Talk About When We Talk About God, which yeah. were a while ago. Um, otherwise, I don't have any interest in taking people where they don't want to go. So I don't – I just don't go into settings where, where there's like snipers on every roof. It's not a good use of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like if somebody's curious – Oh, game on. Let's talk. But if it's just, would you come here so that we can like shoot our guns at you? That's just <laughs> interesting. And it's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's always ever been for me about water for the thirsty. I mean, it's always been for me about, in some senses, my work is I discover things, I stumble upon them, connections get made. <gasps> There's. <gasps> And if you're listening on audio, I don't know how to make the, <laughs> the aha moment. Um, like Abraham Joshua Heschel said, he said, I didn't ask for success. I asked for wonder. Um, 
So there is that wonder of stumbling into something that lights you up, that opens you up, that illuminates something, that helps you make sense of your own story or the world around you. And then I try and put whatever that is in language for other people, whether it's a podcast, a one-man show, a tour, a book. So the idea that why would I go through this again I sometimes think I write my, I do my work so that I won't spontaneously combust. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I've seen something and I want other people to see it or maybe see something more or see something I didn't see in that. So that's, that's sort of how I think about it. So somebody not liking it, oh, then it wasn't for you. Um, like I don't have strong opinions about the latest One Direction album. Well, that's because- unfortunate, Rob. I'm just so fascinated with people because apparently it's not for me. That's fine. But this idea somehow that you would get all riled up about something that's not for you. I just don't, I don't understand that. Or people who really, really despise something, but then they went and bought the book so they could despise it all the more. Uh, I just think we have bigger problems and more interesting things we could be doing with our time. Well, one of the things that is more interesting is your wonderful new book, What is the Bible?, um, which I devoured. Um, I have my PhD in religious studies, and my uh, focus is on the prosperity gospel. And here's why I think you're magical. The prosperity <laughs> gospel is... Um, Wait, you have a doctorate? Yeah. You have a, in the prosperity gospel? In religious studies. And your focus was the prosperity gospel, good or bad? Well, or just- I'm, I'm, you know supposed to be objective. <laughs> oh, got it, got it. Okay, so it was just, okay, got it. Yeah, got yeah, it. so that's what I did my dissertation mm-hmm. on was uh, analyzing the rhetoric of like Joel Osteen oh, and other people, seeing what, oh, are, what are the words that they're using that are so attractive to people? Why is this message so appealing? But oh, here, interesting, yeah. What makes you interesting is that, so a lot of the prosperity rhetoric, of course, is about hope hope and uh, positivity and the, the idea that there are perhaps better days ahead and the victory can be yours. You are edgy and don't deny the reality that sometimes life is garbage and terrible and painful, but you still provide hope. And that is a tricky thing to do. You still uh, corner joy and, and victory and hope, but don't deny the fact that sometimes life is terribly difficult. Is that intentional? Yeah, yeah. There are developmental stages. There's, uh, in one way you could say it would be light, heavy, light. Another way you could talk about Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So there is the, or you could talk about pre-conventional, conventional, post-conventional wisdom. There is the person who's oblivious to how the world is. They're just fine. Hey, baby, let's hold hands and go get ice cream. There is the oblivious. Then there is the thing that happens developmentally when you realize whether it's within yourself or the world around you, oh, this whole thing is on fire. You're in some third world setting and you realize, oh, they don't have clean water and I've never thought twice about clean water just because of where I was born. And Or you, you, someone you love dies of cancer and suddenly you're overwhelmed with the darkness, complexity, ambiguity, loss, pain, and suffering of the world. Right. So, And a lot of good art comes from there. Um, so it's almost like you have pop music then you have Nirvana, um, which is just a guttural yell of desperation. But the problem um, – and in the Jesus tradition, you have Friday, 
which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. It's dark. Everybody has abandoned you. It's hell on earth. It's the abyss. Um, the problem if you stay there is you end up in despair. And so the art of life is to push through to the other side. So there's the lightness of everything's fine, everything's fine, just plug your ears and ignore it. There is the heaviness of, oh my God, we're all cosmically screwed. <laughs> and then there is this lightness on the other side where you have been through the dark night of the soul, you have left the village and journeyed in the wilderness, you have been beaten, and then you realize, but I am here, and I am breathing. And I did an event with Dalai Lama and Bishop Tutu, and I was getting, I was like preparing myself, like these people have seen the suffering of the world. Yeah. I mean, Bishop Tutu, people go into a village, you know, what, 1992 in Rwanda with a machete, and machete to death, somebody's entire family. Um, Dalai Lama, uh, some people have like, like, I got some haters on Facebook. He has haters, China. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's world-class level haters. So, and what struck me was they, and I was standing in the front of this room and they came in and hugged right in front of me. And then they began to tickle each other and giggle. No. And then they sat in these two chairs and had this conversation And it was like funny, like really funny. And they're like, one of them said, I think uh, Dalai Lama, Bishop Tutu said to Dalai Lama, have you gained weight? (laughs) And I mean, it was this, there was this lightness. Yeah. Which is what the mystics, the sages, the gurus, the yogis speak of. Um, It is what happens if you push through to Friday and, and you actually arrive at Sunday. Right. When you then say... It's a beautiful day. Don't let it get away. You got there honestly. Um, you you got there with some credibility and some authenticity. Yeah, you didn't skip Friday, which I feel yes. like people want to skip Friday. Which is why so much religious art is so bad. <laughs> right. It skips Friday. It races to Sunday, but then it's all trouble and no base. Yeah. It's yeah. like I don't. That person, I don't buy it. There, it feels cheap. It feels shallow. It feels, and uh, so I think. I mean, at an early age, like early twenties, I was working in a church as a pastor and visiting people in hospitals and prisons and suicide calls and doing funerals. I did a funeral when I was twenty-five for somebody who had died of AIDS, which at the time, early nineties, was not talked about much. Yeah. So I just early on. I remember being in the hospital with a family whose all-star athlete, four-point student, 16-year-old son had hung himself for no reason out of nowhere. And you're just sitting with this family who's – so I just – I saw – I had like a front row seat to some things that to this day I don't have words for. And yet I'd go home to my family that night and my kids, um, we'd have dinner and, and it was like, I either check out and let the despair own me or I relish and appreciate this fragile gift for what it is because it could be gone tomorrow. And all there is is this moment. That's what happened to me. Yeah. It's like there's a lightness, a heaviness. And then on the other side of heavy is another kind of light 
this. And I feel that's what in this book, especially is provided to the reader is a blueprint for helping people see texts that they perhaps are familiar with, maybe too, too familiar with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Too familiar with. And you turn them upside down. Right. And what I was wondering, so the gift that you have, of course, is to provide context and to make the script sound fresh when people feel like, I know that story. It's, I, I get it. We get it. But, but you're saying maybe you don't. And the thing that you provide undoes what I feel like so many times happens in um, like children's Sunday school where you grow <laughs> up and you hear the yep. story of, for example, the Good Samaritan, which you cover in your book. And there's a very specific narrative. Yeah. Help and, people. Roadside assistance. Right. And that's a great <laughs> message for, for a four-year-old sure. or, or a seven-year-old. Sure. Developmentally, right. But then it never gets revised, perhaps, or, or um, nuance is never added or context. Right. Why right. do you think that is that that, that is not happening? Because it isn't. Um, institutions generally bend towards self-preservation because <laughs> they usually have a budget. Right. And the way that you fundraise and you meet your budget is generally by delivering things consistently. And the very nature of spiritual growth is disruptions. You hear something you haven't heard before, and now you're like, well, now i got to rethink. <laughs> yeah, this is very inconvenient. Violence, sexuality, power, forgiveness, whatever it is. Yeah. And so institutionalizing uh, spirituality in any form is going to run that risk. And so if you keep the story safe, then you don't have to – they may call into question – a number of things. Um, so, for example, with the Bible, for a lot of people, a lot of passages in the Bible are about what happens when you die. Where are you going to go? How is the end of the world going to unfold? But those stories were written for real people in real places who are struggling with they'd been conquered by another global military superpower. Well, if you're a citizen of a global military superpower, if you don't spiritualize those passages, then you have to read them in a very challenging way. Like, oh, they might be critiquing us. And self-critique isn't something that a lot of people enjoy. <laughs> right. It is inconvenient. Yes. To have to reflect. Yeah. But don't yeah. you feel... I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised that there aren't more folks who are like you that are educated and know that there's another part of this story oh. that could be told. Yeah. That would want to share it. Um, I think they, I think you can find pockets of all sorts of interesting things. Um, I think it's there. It's just, we live in a soundbite culture yeah. where you get six minutes in between commercials. So actual substantive engagement has criminally been less and less the way that we, it's lots of shrugs and lots of, it's interesting when I'm in England the questions that people ask are so crisp and articulate. And a friend of mine keeps saying the English still believe in language. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we live in a culture of shrugs and gestures and memes. Right. So matters of spirit and heart and soul um, 
they don't sound bite as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It just it um it, it that's why they're called spiritual disciplines. Um and uh I mean that's why and in some senses that's why I do my work is I I I want to talk about joy and depth and the transcendent present in this mess, this beautiful heartbreaking mess that we know. Um so yeah, there there are all sorts of interesting things happening, but yeah. Yeah. One, one of the things I really liked is at the end of your book, when you provide a few things, uh, in addition to resources of other books that could be helpful for people, you sort of tackle, like, I know, I know what you're thinking, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so you kind of like unpack what people may be experiencing or have the script and you kind of undo it a bit. Oh, the questions. Yeah. Thanks for doing yeah. that. I actually, I actually thought of a, as a live event, if I had just done 300 page, whatever, how many pages, if I had just done this as a live event and I stopped, <laughs> what would the questions that would come up? It's so like, genius. What would the questions that come up? Yeah. <laughs> and it's very helpful for folks like me. For I grew up as an evangelical and then got my doctorate. And in the meantime, became very resentful of all the people who hadn't changed at all while right. I was busy changing. Right, and right, right. so you were like, oh, no, it is you, Susie. And you need to knock it off. Stop bothering your mother about things she's been consistent upon in her whole life. That's very helpful, Rob. Is, uh, I, actually, you're, you're making a great point. And, and it's interesting. Last year, I did a tour around the world, and this is one of the first questions in every single city, is if I grow expand, change, transform. No one told me that I might find myself at odds with my tribe. Yeah, man. And uh, there might be a loneliness. Right. With it. That's why you've never met a cocky nun. You know I mean? <laughs> That's a great Because people who devote themselves to the path, you've never met like a yogi with like swagger or a yeah. mystic who was like, I got this. It's because... When you actually see what the dominant culture around you hasn't seen and neighbors, businesses, marketplaces, family systems, faith communities have a center of gravity of consciousness, like the, how the group sees it. Yeah. And if you see, first off, when you see, you can't unsee. When you taste, like your story, you can't untaste. Right. And so you can't stick it back in the bottle once it's out. Uh, you may find yourself with distance between you and the people who love you the most who may have brought you into the world. And that is a pain. It's interesting why the dominant question in the new Testament is who is my family? Right. I mean, this is exactly why you keep hearing brothers and sisters and family and who is my family. It's because when you wake up, the people around you might not get it. And there is a pain you end up walking with in, in the uh, one tradition, they call it, you walk with a limp. Um, you, you walk with a certain limp because you've, you've wrestled with the divine. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing, but you also walk with the limp. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah, it is. Is there a question that you wish people would ask, but don't, they don't. That's so interesting. It, on doing the interviews for this book, a number of people have asked that question. What? That's uh, how absurd that the question that is being repeated is what don't people ask you? <laughs> right? I thought about 
Yeah. That's, that's so a, silly. A comment, a comment on a comment. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. No. That's a great question. People and I never can you dry. Dang. All right. Well, I have a last question that I ask everybody. It's really hard hitting, Rob. I don't know. It might be too much. Um, <laughs> what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Oh, I surf constantly. So um, wax, sunscreen, earplugs, <laughs> uh, ding repair kit, towel. Um, Where yeah, are you surfing? Place. Malibu? Uh, Topanga. Oh, yeah. South oh, yeah. of the Santa Monica Pier. There's a bunch of little breaks that you can have all to yourself. Yeah. Man, so you're just ready for that action. I have a blue bucket in the back of my car, and it's got every little thing that could go wrong. I sliced open my leg at Venice last year and had to have it stitched together. So I have, I think, some Band-Aids or something to make. I had to make a tourniquet to hold the my calf together. <laughs> so I have, like, Why do you stuff. keep doing this? Why are you surfing? Because yesterday morning, a pod of dolphins swam by. And then a wave came through, and I think I rode it for a hundred yards. That's and a day funny. later, I'm still buzzing for, from a whole series of because it. Yeah, I don't know. Like surfers know, just you stop talking at some point because you sound like an idiot. But because <laughs> it's just the most glorious thing. It's <laughs> magical. Yes. Yes. That well, is your book is wonderful. I hope everyone reads it, and I feel like. Thank God, literally thank God, you wrote that book. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. That means the world. It is was high time, and I am busy watching Cheers, so I can't write it. So I'm glad you did <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> so thanks for that. That is awesome. You're a gem. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Rob. Wonderful. Thank you. We'll talk Have a great day. Bye. Bye.